Everybody doing okay? Yeah? How's the ice cream? Good? Good stuff? Who's ready for summertime? Amen. Yes, it is, it is almost here. We are so close. Hey, if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans uh, chapter 6. We'll be there in just a second. Um, Romans chapter 6. If you don't have one, no big deal. And if you would like one, I, I'd love to give you one after uh, we get done here a little bit. Um, yeah, Romans 6 will be in a few mo- minutes. And again, if you need to use your table of contents, whatever, there's, there's no shame. No shame there for sure. On three, tell me what ice cream flavor you got. One, two, three. Sounds amazing. <laughs> Tatum, did you get some or they're already gone? Man, that's dedication. <laughs> How was the test? Mmm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, hey, let's get up for Tatum coming to church even after a rough test. That a girl. Hey, uh, I want to be honest. I think um, it's something that Becca Sager and, and I were talking about. Y'all, I think you know who Becca Sager is. Um, but we were talking and kind of wondering why it is that in, in church culture, we've seemed to, seem to got, we've got in this mindset that we don't want to ask questions, like we're afraid to ask questions. And what I mean by that is um, all of us probably at some point or another, uh, even as Christians, have questions about the Christian faith. And certainly if you're not a Christian, you're probably not a Christian, but or maybe for lots of reasons, but maybe because you have some questions about the Christian faith that just don't make sense to you. Um, so while I, I really do believe that the Christian faith is logical, it makes sense, like it holds up, it holds water, does it make sense? Especially I think if you um, compare it with every other worldview, I really do believe it provides the most answers. And if you're like, that's bull, I don't believe that. Well, hey, that's fair to, for you to think that. And I'd love to talk with you about that afterwards even, just let you know kind of my thoughts on it. But um, so though I do believe it makes sense and it's logical, at the same time, it really does, like maybe sometimes um, provide or push us towards questions that are difficult to answer. Y'all with me? Like, just to be honest, I think um, I, was, I told her in this conversation the other day that even as your college pastor, there's been times where maybe whatever in the world is happening, like maybe this fall when there was just a lot of crap happening around the world, right? Even, in, especially in the States. What I mean is like the shooting in Vegas and then down in South Texas, or was it near San Antonio, is that right? Um, just so many rough things happen. And you kind of, you just kind of question God like, I believe you're in control, but what's going on here, right? Like, it's kind of hard to reconcile that. Or um, while I absolutely 100% do believe this is God's word and it's trustworthy, it's authoritative, it's inerrant, meaning it's without error. You aren't stupid, you know what that means. Um, but, but at the same time, if I'm just honest, there's times where I'm reading and because like something is said that's so authoritative, it's like, whew, man, that's a lot to wrestle with. Like, God, I believe this is your word, but sometimes... I don't want to say I question it, but you kind of do. Does it make sense? Like when it comes down to, it, yes, I believe this is God's word, but it's still sometimes you just have questions. Or I would say certainly I would imagine that um, you've grown up in church and hearing that God is the creator, and we 100% believe that. But then when you're in your biology class, sometimes it raises some questions, right? I think that's, that's a real thing. Um, I think another question, and you can help me out here and tell me if you're like, yeah, I've kind of wrestled with that or know that people wrestle with that. I think another fair question that maybe as a Christian you feel in your heart, or even as if you're here tonight and you're not a believer, you've maybe wondered this. So Christians believe the Bible teaches, we've been seeing this all through Romans, that we're saved by grace through faith. So God loves us 
regardless of what we do, right? That's what, that's what the Bible teaches. So as a, meaning, as a Christian, let me clarify a little bit. If I'm a Christian, I've placed my faith and trust in Christ that he, he saves me based on what Jesus has done and not what I've done. So again, to say it simply, it's a, one word we use for that is grace, right? You're saved by grace through faith. So again, God loves you regardless of what you do, that your, your relationship with him is not based on what you do. So I think a fair question out of that is, if God's love for us is not based on what we do, then why does it matter what I do, right? Do you, is that a, a question that you've like, heard college students ask before? I, know, I went to a Bible college. Uh, 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 my old friend Garrett used to, uh, always calls it the, the boys college of Florida and like, tries to make fun of me, but it was the Bible college of, the Baptist college of Florida, excuse me. And, um, and even there, there was kind of this underlying sense of, like I had this one friend that was always like, Man, if I'm saved by grace through faith, I'm just gonna live my life how I want. Y'all with me? It's kind of this, this attitude like, well, well, hey, I'm under grace, so what does it matter? Anybody ever felt that tension in your heart before? Yeah? You're like, no, never. <laughs> um, or certainly, I would think you've, you've heard people ask that, and especially, again, I think it's a fair question for, for someone who doesn't know Jesus to, to look at their Christian friends and say, well, hey, dude, or do that. If, if, if you're saved by grace through faith and God loves you regardless of what you do, then why are you worried about what you do? Like, why not go out and party? Why not uh, sleep with your boyfriend, girlfriend? Why not cuss? Why not gossip? Like, whatever it is. Like, why does it matter if God loves you based on what Jesus did for you and, and not what you do? That's, that's a fair question, right? Um, and I, I think, I really do believe the, the Bible gives us an answer. Um, I think we're gonna see that being in Christ is actually not a license to sin, right? So it's not like, oh, no, you're a Christian. Well, hey, because you're covered in the blood of Christ and you're forgiven and loved, hey, you can just do what you want. It's actually not really what grace is. Um, and in Romans 6, he really answers very specifically the question of, okay, so we're under grace, why should, we, why should we quit sinning? Why should we actually like, try to live a pure life as Christians? And so if you're a Christian, I hope this helps you a little bit in your fight against sin. And if you're not a Christian tonight, I hope this, will, one, obviously like, brings you to Jesus, but also maybe it helps answer some questions you've had about like, why Christians care about how they live. And so this is in Romans 6, um, starting in verse 15. It says, what then? So he's been talking about under, that we're under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? What's he say? Yeah, no, not a dog, right? Yeah, by no means. We don't sin just because we're under grace. And, and here's, here's his answer. Here's like the why of it. So again, just because we're under grace, we shouldn't sin. And he says, here's the why. He asks it in a question. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So I, his, the answer to the question is in the question that he, that he asked the, the person. He's almost like you're kind of sitting around the fire with the Apostle Paul, which would be really cool. Maybe one day in heaven we'll do that. But he's sitting around the fire with the Apostle Paul, and he's been talking about her under grace, and he's like, hey, Brandon, thanks for asking about um, if you should sin or if you should like, quit sinning or if it matters since you're under grace. Let me answer that. And he answers with a question, which is, don't you know that whatever it is you offer yourself to, whatever it is you do, whatever, whatever it is... Um, 
that you do with your life, whatever it is that you obey, that's what you are a slave to. So whatever it is that you do, whatever the practice is of your life, so either, and he makes it really clear, there's two options for us. You're either a slave to what? What's the first one? In verse, uh, towards kind of middle of verse 16, either of what? Sin, which leads to death, or what? Obedience, yeah, don't be scared to talk, yeah, obedience, right. So just to be real clear, he says all of this, we're either, you're a slave to one of two things. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to, to obedience, to following God, to doing what he, what he asks you and tells you to do. So again, the, here's the answer. Why should you quit sinning as a Christian? Why does it matter that you like fight against sin even though God loves you regardless of what you do? It's because what you do is what you're a slave to. So if I'm always giving myself over to sin and just giving in to sin, whatever that sin may be, we'll talk about that a little more in a few minutes. If you're always giving yourself to sin, then you're gonna be a slave to what? Sin. He says, don't you know that? Whatever it is you offer yourself to, you're a slave to that. Whatever it is who or whatever it is you obey, that's who owns you. What am I a slave of? What is the master of me? It's, it's whatever I give myself to. And he says, Sin, so if sin is your master, you're a slave to master, what does that lead, sorry, you're a slave to sin, what does that lead to? Death, leads to death. And he's not talking about just, just spiritual death here, and he's really not even talking about just physical death. But that sin in every way imaginable will destroy your life. What did Jesus say? The thief, talking about Satan, comes to, you might remember? To steal and kill and destroy. That's Satan and really in sin's mission for you is to destroy you in every way possible. So in your, like, your emotional health, your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your, your friendships, in every way, he wants to kill and destroy you. So if you're a slave to sin, you offer yourself to sin. I don't mean like, it's not this like weird thing where like every morning you're like, all right, sin, here I am to serve you. But, but that if every day you just kind of give in to sin and you don't fight it, even though you're under grace, the reality is you become a slave to that sin. It owns you. And what he's saying when he says it leads to death, maybe say it simply, the reality is sin is a really terrible master. Like, when you offer yourself to live in sin, you choose to live in sin, you're choosing to be a slave to sin, which will ultimately like destroy you and kill you. Again, I don't, I'm not trying to be dramatic where it's like, so you know what, if you keep on sinning, you're gonna walk out of these doors tonight and you're gonna die. Like that's, 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 that's not what he's saying, but ultimately like sin will destroy you. It's a really bad master. It's not fun <laughs> ultimately to serve sin. But then he says, so then either a, sin, a slave to sin or a slave to what? Obedience, you're coming along with me. And he says, obedience which leads to righteousness. So enjoying being in right relationship with God. So again, all of us fall into one of two categories. Either I'm a slave to sin and it owns me, or I'm a slave to, to obedience, to following God, doing what he wants me to do, and that leads to righteousness. Meaning, and he's not really talking, he's not saying that if you do good things, you, you become a Christian, because we've already established that in Romans. He's saying if you do the right thing, you obey God, you fight against sin, it leads to righteousness in the sense of enjoying right relationship with God. So again, the answer is really simple. Why should you fight against sin? Because whatever you do is what you're a slave to, right? Sin 
or to God. And sin makes a terrible master. It will destroy you. But if you're a Christian, here's the good news. It's verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who once were slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Man, this, this is good news. So if you are a Christian, you're a believer, here's what he's saying. No longer is sin your master. So you, you, you wake up and you don't have to walk around in the chains and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation of sin because you've been set free from sin. So you have a choice. You can actually fight against sin if you're a Christian. And I love what he says that um, you've been, but you've become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. But what that means is, so this is not as a, if you know Christ, you've trusted in him, this means that you don't just like try to do things out of a front, which we've talked about that before, like so many people that claim to be a Christian, they're really just like obeying and doing the right thing just as a front to try to look spiritual and impress people. But he says, for people that really know Jesus, that have trusted in him, he changes them from what? The inside out, right? So that I'm not just obeying like out of, uh, but like it's my heart's desire. So rather than gossip about, gossip about somebody, though I may be tempted to do that as a believer, God changes your hearts that your desire really is from the inside out to actually encourage other people and speak good things about them and encourage them and bless them. It means that rather than just feeling like I have to give in to to sexual sin, whether that be with my body, with my eyes or whatever, rather than having to give in to that, that from the inside out, from my heart, I can actually desire to look at the right things and actually live a pure life. He set me free to do that. It means that he set me free to, to live for him in every way I could imagine. That I don't, I'm not owned by sin. So again, the question, why should I quit sinning even though God loves me based, not based on what I do? It's because what I do is what I'm a slave to. And I can either be a slave to sin, which will wreck my life even as a Christian, or I can be a slave to God, which brings life and hope. <laughs> this summer... Um, Lauren and I and our families were in, in California for about well, it's two weeks, I guess, kind of the end of May, which is awesome. And we, we started in uh, kind of the LA, L.A. area where I graduated and then drove up the coast, which was crazy beautiful. And um, the last few days we spent up in San Francisco. And one of those days, we took a ferry out to, um, to Alcatraz Island, which is an old, like, famous jail there, right, prison. I think we have some pictures up there, Ryan, if you don't mind helping me. Um, we go. We show the other one real quick, Rylan. So this this is on the ferry or whatever, headed out to Alcatraz Island, um, which it doesn't look huge there, but it's actually a pretty big island. Um, so it's us on the way out there. We're trying to get you some perspective. And then if we go to the next one now, Rylan, um, this is on the island, like where the jail was, looking back at San Francisco, and obviously. When the, when the prison was working, it probably didn't look exactly like that, but pretty much like that. There's maybe a few new buildings for sure. Um, but it's interesting about hearing, we took a tour and heard about what the prisoners did and everything. And it was interesting to hear about their stories and some of the, even the emotions they experienced after being enslaved, I'd say enslaved, like prisoners on the island for so, for so long. And then when they got to actually go back to the city 
and enjoy freedom. There's one more picture, I think, Ryland, um, with the little, yeah. This is um, just in San Francisco. I didn't take that many pictures. I don't know why I should have taken more, but I thought this gives you a little bit of a, an idea of just what the city was like. And um, beautiful, beautiful city, really, really cool. Um, if, you're ever, if you ever go there, you should definitely go to Yosemite because that's like way cooler. Anyways, um, beautiful city. And it's interesting to think about how, how dumb would it be? Or let me say this first. Even in the city, just like us as Lubbockites, even in a city where you're technically free, like we're, I'm assuming none of you are in prison because you're here tonight, and if you are in prison, then let us know so we can take you back. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are you doing here? But even though we are free, do we still have, are there still rules and expectations for us? Absolutely. So think, think about the prisoners that left Alcatraz, like once they were set free, um, left Alcatraz Island, if, for the, one, the few ones that were, but once they left Alcatraz Island and got back to the mainland, got to this beautiful city, beautiful state of California, once they got there, there were still rules and expectations. So they were free, but there were still like things they had to do, right? Regardless of that, how dumb would it be for a prisoner to be set free from Alcatraz Island, go to the mainland and say, you know what? I think I had it better in the prison. <laughs> Lauren and I walked through those prison cells. It was, it was terrible. Like there was not much there. Pretty, pretty rough way to live. It would be ridiculous for them to say, you know, I think I think I like that better. I actually, you know what? Being on the mainland, there's all these rules I gotta follow. I'd rather go back to Alcatraz Island. You would say, you are on crack, and maybe that's why you were there in the first place, right? Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> or it would be foolish to, to be in San Francisco, be on the mainland, and live as though you were still at Alcatraz. That would be foolish, right? You have all these freedoms. Yes, there's still some, some things and way, expectations for you to live life appropriately. It would be foolish to say, you know what, forget this. I'm going to live as though I'm still on the island. Like, that, that would be ridiculous. So many of us as Christians, rather than living as free, the freed people we are, meaning free from sin, we, sin doesn't have to own us or control us. We can be free to live life the way God created us to. So many of us choose to live as if we're still enchained to our sin, as if, as if we're not set free from our sin. Paul's saying, look, you're either slave to your sin or slave to God. And if you know Jesus, you've been set free from sin, so why would you like, offer yourself to be a slave to sin? You, you, you can be a slave to God, which is an incredible thing. He says in verse 19, so because of that, um, for or I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. So here's the application he's saying. Because you're either a slave to sin or a slave to God, like because what you do is what you're a slave to, offer yourself to be obedient to God. You've been set free from sin, so offer yourself to say, God, I want to serve you. God, I want today to live with love and with joy, and I'm going to have peace. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to be patient with other people. I want to have goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I want to do these things. 
Because God, I don't want to be a slave to sin. I want, even, you've set me free, so I don't want to live like I'm a slave to sin. I want to live as a free person. I want to live that way. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to God. You can say it maybe more simply. You can either be a slave to a terrorizing tyrant, sin, or you can be a slave to a really kind king. The choice is yours. Even as a Christian, which one are you going to serve? Other says, slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification, meaning so as I do the right thing and choose to obey God, it's part of my sanctification. It's part of me being made like Jesus. It's part of me growing in my walk with him. I was talking with a really cool girl last week, and she was talking about wanting to grow in a relationship with Christ. And I think here's part of the answer. Part of the answer of how to grow in Christ and be in being sanctified is to realize if I'm a Christian, I've been set free from sin, so I'm gonna choose to do the right thing and follow God rather than choose to give in to sin. When you choose sin, you choose to be a slave to sin. Have anybody seen the movie um, uh, Darkest, what's it called, Darkest Hour? With about Winston Churchill? Really good, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. I don't think it's out on DVD. Maybe, actually it is, yes, it is. You can go to her house. She's got on DVD. <laughs> um, it really is a great movie. And there's a scene in the movie that's not actually true, but it's really, really cool. I'm going to tell you about it. So um, there's a scene in the movie, and I'm, this is not ruining it. It'll still be really cool. Excuse me. There's a scene where Winston Churchill gets on uh, the underground train, sub, whatever, to, um, to talk to some of the people in, in London. They just kind of get their feedback on the situation that their country is in, which is a really cool like thought, right, that uh, their leader would, would just hang out with the people. So he gets on the train, and he begins to ask them what their thoughts are about entering into a, this was during World War II, entering into a, possibly entering into a peace treaty with Hitler, who was terrorizing tyrant, dictator, right? Possibly entering into a peace treaty with him or if they should fight. And it's it's such a cool scene in the movie because the people are like, are you kidding me? If we try to enter into peace talks with him, he's just going to come in and he's going to crush us. He's going to take over the United Kingdom. He's going to take us over. You can't, you can't negotiate with him. And so he kind of pushes to see how serious they are. And, and there's, there's people of all ages, men and women, children, and even the children are like, we will fight. <laughs> And they say, we will fight in the streets, we'll fight in the alleys. And then one of them says, we'll use broken broomsticks if we have to. We will fight them to the death. We will never surrender. And that's exactly what they did, right? So though it wouldn't, uh, there's no, nothing uh, in history pointing to, to the idea that he actually really did get on the train and have that conversation. That was certainly the heart of the people of England. That we're going to fight. We're not going to give in. We are free people. And that man, Hitler, thinks he, he must be a fool if he thinks he's going to just come in here and take us over. We're going to fight. That should be the heart of the Christian, to realize that to try to have a peace treaty with sin is foolishness. <laughs> it's just as foolish. We've used this example before. It's just as foolish as the idea of raising a pet lion. For a while, a pet lion would be really, really cute, right? Oh, it's so cute and cuddly. But eventually that lion will grow up and kill you, right? Like it's, it's not an if or when, like that's what a lion does. That, that's exactly what sin does. 
Sin, let's be honest, people sin because for a while it is fun, right? Like we wouldn't be having this conversation if, if we always saw sin for what it really is, right? But for a little, a little while, it can be fun. But the reality is sin always grows up and will destroy you. So if you try to have a peace talk with sin, you're always going to lose. I love, I, I kind of skipped over this unintentionally, um, Towards the end of, of chapter 6, Paul, Paul kind of deals with an objection I think people would raise. That is, I think people would say, you know, I, I think people have really have two objections to, to this argument that you should tr- quit sinning because whatever you, you do is what you're a slave to. Um, the first thing I think people would say is, man, I just don't feel like, I just don't feel like I can fight sin. Like, I just don't feel like I have the strength to do it. Here's what I would respond with. Hey, I think here's what scripture would tell you. You're exactly right. On your own, you can't beat sin. But if you're a Christian, who do you have in your corner? Jesus. It turns out he's actually a pretty good boxer against sin. (laughs) Here's what I would tell you. Quit obsessing over your constant failure with sin and what you've done in the past and start obsessing with what Jesus has done in the past, and that he conquered sin, (laughs) conquered the grave. When you fix your eyes on Jesus and the power available to you through him, man, there's hope for overcoming sin. You don't have to be beat up by sin day in, day out. You have hope. The second objection I think people would say is what I already kind of mentioned, that, man, it's just just kind of fun. Like, I know I should give it up, but it hasn't hurt me too bad, and it's kind of enjoyable, whatever the sin is. Here's what I think Paul would say from verse 20, or what he would have you consider. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Again, remember, sin makes a terrible master. (laughs) But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. And there's a super famous verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. To make it really simple, I think here's what Paul's saying. How's your sin treating you? It may be fun for a little bit, but really like big picture, how, how's that treating you? All of us, think if we're honest, would admit Sin always takes you further than you wanted to go and always screws up your life more than you thought it would. <laughs> How's it treating you? What fruit are you getting from it? It may be enjoyable for a little bit, but again, it always grows up to destroy you. You can serve a tyrant or a kind king. Here's what I want to encourage you with as we wrap this up. If you're a Christian, I want to encourage you to realize that morality actually matters. That it's just not this like, yeah, I'm saved by grace. It's all good. Yeah, you are saved by grace. But God, this actually, this tells us that God actually cares how we live. uh, A study was done by, um, gosh, I can't think, uh, Pew Research Center, which sounds so funny. (laughs) But they found that among young millennials, almost 80% of them say that Right or wrong really depends on the situation and who's in the situation. And 
Scripture teaches over and over again that morality actually matters and it doesn't change based on who you are, what situation you're in. And yes, you're saved by grace, but it does matter. So I want to encourage you to fight. Pursue purity. Pursue holiness. You don't have to live as a slave to sin. There is freedom. And if you're not a Christian, first of all, I'm super glad you're here tonight. Um, But I would tell you, you don't have to be a slave to sin. The reality is, if you're not a Christian, you are a slave to sin. Like, you don't have a choice. It will own you. It will defeat you. It will kill you. It will destroy you. There's a reason Romans 6.23 is so famous. The wages of sin is death. So again, if if you don't know Christ, sin as a master, here's what it pays you, is death. That's a terrible job, right? (laughs) That's the payment you get. But if you will turn to Jesus, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That if you turn to Jesus, trust him, you can have life.